Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. what did we watch what did we watch well tonight we watched uh adam 12 specifically log 174 loan sharks an episode that aired september 19th 1970 season three episode one this was season three episode one kicking off season three with a boom now a young pup like me i don't even know what adam 12 is fill me in 
Fill you in. Tell me about it. What is this oh, show? This I'm Adam a, 12? I'm like some crotchety old dame with a cigar and I'm going to school you on all the uh, old police procedurals. Sure. Um, well, I've only seen two episodes of this. <laughs> uh, but basically, I think you described it to me as from the creators of Dragnet, i.e. Jack Webb. So police procedural. But instead of focusing on sort of like a higher up detective guy... It's two beat cops who drive around in their police car, which is the car named Adam-12. The car is named Adam-12. Uh, the car talks and helps them solve crimes. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you need to take this seriously. I'm sorry. This is a very serious show. I need to, not, just like when you name your car Adam, it sounds like he's, you know, you're personifying it a little bit. What's Adam doing? I don't know. And the officers, of course, are officers Reed and Malloy. Uh, one of them is a fresh-faced young rookie, and the other one mentors him in the ways of the police force and the ways of the city. Which is which? Uh, Officer Reed is played by Kent McCord. He's the rookie. Officer Malloy is, of course, played by Martin Milder, who you remember from Route 66. Of course, of course. And it's a show, I think, that, you know, you, you said it was sort of praised for its, you know, Realism is that it, or is just it, it? Not necessarily being where whereas realistic things happen, but more as in it captures uh, the rhythm of kind of going around in your police car doing different things. I guess. Well, I think you said you found this show to be very grittily uh, realistic. This particular episode, which we'll get to in a moment, <laughs> for reasons that will be explained later. <laughs> I always kind of enjoyed this show because it's basically these two staunch defenders of law and order in the midst of a city gone mad because like every episode a bunch of random nonsense happens that shows the decay of the city around them like the moral and spiritual decay why does yeah and and it's and and that sort of that kind of follows through given that it's created by jack webb who created dragnet where it's kind of like this kind of classic copaganda where the cops are the only people you can trust everybody else is either a lunatic or uh, a murderer <laughs> or like doing some crimes basically. And this kind of follows suit. Although I will say this seems less stiff. It seems less like forced as dragnet dragnet always seems like, how did this get made? <laughs> Whereas this seems like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the, this is a show. I don't know why this one just feels like better, better quality than dragnet in a way that I can't really put my finger on. You really enjoyed this episode. Um, I enjoyed this episode, but I really enjoyed the episode we saw previously where uh, I don't even remember what it was about, but it was like basically a bunch of random shit happened. It was like they went and they pulled some guy over and then, oops, that guy seemed nice, but he was actually a criminal and he stole that car and then they got yelled at and then they eventually it all comes around and they meet him again and they're like, yay, we caught him this time. So it's like. I like spoiler warning. Oh, <laughs> I like the randomness. It's it's fun, you know. Where you, like you know, I, I I'm so burnt out by shows, you know, that I also love, but like SVU, where like everything has to be so like overwrought and like intense, and like this just seems like life is kind of random, and like the show kind of um, is weirdly relaxing because it's like then this happened, then this happened, and then this happened, and even though this was one crime for the most part, although not not entirely. Um, and therefore sort of breaking some of the episodes, you know, uh, some of the series formula, it's still like, 
you know, they're kind of piecing together, well, is this one crime or, or is it a bunch of random stuff? Like, what's happening here? It doesn't feel like some over-the-top, like, oh, a serial killer is going after them and, like, playing games with just them. It's like, no, they're just the two guys who happen to be assigned to this. Right. It doesn't feel over-the-top. That's my spiel. That's your spiel? That's my spiel. Yeah. So what was this episode about? How did it open? What was the central mystery? This episode was titled Lone Sharks, and it is about lone sharks. Uh, the central mystery is why um, are a bunch of guys in sort of the, like the warehouse working class district of L.A. getting uh, beaten up, getting hit and run, you know, having getting firebombed uh, suddenly. You know what, what's what's going on? What are these working class Joes doing to uh, piss somebody off? And the answer is in the is in the episode's title. <laughs> Some lone sharks have uh, started to circle, and uh, there's a bit of a feeding frenzy going on. But uh, the police are looking to put a stop to that because people are getting hurt, and you know it's kind of one of those things. People might get killed, and they're not getting too much cooperation from these working class Joes. Yeah, those Joes don't want to talk. They're clamming up. They've got a code. <laughs> The code of the Joes. The code of the Joes. <laughs> we all know the code of the Joes. What is the code of the Joes? Don't talk to the cops. You don't snitch. Does it go beyond that, or is that is that basically it for the well, code of the Joes? Well, it's like they kind of don't want help. They like they're they're they kind of like that that type of like masculinity where you don't talk about your feelings and you don't ask for help and you don't help other people, you know, because like they they brought it on themselves because they borrowed money from the loan sharks. That's the code of the Joes that I just made up. <laughs> What's what's the code of the Anyas? Oh, the Anyas. Because uh, they're quite a tribe. Wow. Well. They're a rare breed. The code of the Anyas is don't take money from loan sharks if you can help it. It's <laughs> a very complex life uh, I know. system you have there. I have to do a lot to keep myself from just randomly going and taking money from loan sharks. Yeah, it's unfortunate because... Uh, you know, it's like the loan sharks in this case are preying on people's addiction to gambling and whatnot. So it's a sad state of affair for the Joes. Well, hopefully things will come Hopefully up. the Adams will come help. <laughs> both both uh, Reed and Malloy's name are Adam, right? That's why they call the car Adam 12. <laughs> That's such a dumb joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so you know that the car's name the Adam car. Reed and Adam Malloy, the two Adams, and then they they're the number one Adams, so they Adam one two Adam twelve. That would be the really you know how they always remake old shows and like dumb movies later on, yeah, like years after they're relevant. That would be the that would like I you'd get like me like the young hotshot Hollywood writer doing bumps of cocaine, and that's the backstory I'd come up with. And it, the movie would end and be like, like you know, what do you call you, you yourselves? And I'd be like, turn around and be like, Adam Twelve. <laughs> That's the explanation. <laughs> Some really complex uh, numerology there. <laughs> and you'd be the only person in the theater, and you'd throw up your hands in disgust. What the hell is this? <laughs> This isn't true to the meandering nature of the original program. And then I'd walk out and you'd be there saying, what'd you think, Kevin? What'd you think? And you'd greet your team like, it was great. <laughs> you wouldn't want to hurt my feelings. 
I'm, I'm a sensitive soul. Yeah, but I immediately know you hate it and run off in tears. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My failed Adam 12 reboot. How would you reboot Dragnet? I wouldn't. <laughs> How can you reboot Dragnet? Dragnet's like its own weird thing. It's just a weird thing. They've rebooted it several times, never very successfully. They had a movie uh, with with Tom Hanks. Yes. But I I just think you kind of got to leave that one, leave it in the past. They revived it with Ed O'Neill. I mean, I don't I I've never seen that, so I can't judge it. I just it's just you can, you can judge it. It listen, it just it's such can you a, picture Ed O'Neill as Joe Fry? It was Jack Webb's baby, and it's all about Jack Webb. You've explained you've explained to me that that's why you're so obsessed with it because it's just this one creator's very bizarre interpretation of the world in a police procedural format and that's kind of a little bit more interesting than as you say something that's written by committee uh yeah. which is more common you know and and so uh it's kind of a fascinating kind of like what is going on and even when it's not good it's still funny because like just dumb shit's happening and like people are people are not behaving people it it feels sometimes like it was more written by like kind of the, to use the cliche like aliens who met humans like once and like wrote a whole series based on that one interaction where it's like not really quite true to life for anybody but this one feels a little bit more you know you really got into this one i was shocked i got into this one is it just because it's so much like my life yes as yeah. we will get to there, yeah. there was a scene ripped from the pages of your life there you go might have to sue um but yeah, so okay, so you know, we, uh, we I guess how do we if we you know we're not gonna go through the whole entire episode because it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. But basically, it opens up, uh, Malloy and Reed show up outside this factory, and a man has just been beaten senseless, and there's a scruffy, beaten up looking guy with him. And he's all like, uh, there's I, actually a whole crowd of people. There's there. a whole crowd of people there. No one will stand and talk to them. And then the guy who got beaten up too, not as badly, is kind of like, uh, I just slipped and, you know, hit myself or, you know, some dumb excuse. It's all, you know, and, the, and then he just kind of, he kind of walks away and everyone's all tense and the Joes are, there's a cloud of gloom over the Joes. In this working class factory. And Reed and Malloy exchange all sorts of expository dialogue about the uh, loan shark Gee, situation. it sucks that working class Joes keep be getting beaten up in these places. What could be going on? I don't know, but no one will talk to us. And what are we going to do? I don't if know. only there was a witness who would talk. Hmm. If only there was a lovable beatnik around here. <laughs> now, here's where... Now, I'm going to just preface this. We're going to talk about this character who I think you and you and I both loved, right? The beatnik character. We enjoyed the beatnik. We enjoyed the beatnik. But the thing about this is it's interesting because... On Dragnet, if somebody's a beatnik, they're they're bad news. They're the killer or the mail fraud guy or you know just a guy who has wrong ideas about society and who Sergeant Fr you know Friday has to kind of come and like own in a debate. Yeah, give him a speech. Give him a speech about like beatniks have the wrong idea, hippies have the wrong idea. You you youths don't know how the world works, and we need order. And, you know, so I was kind of expecting, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be the guy doing it. You know, this is going to be the bad guy. But, you know, this is, this is an okay, he uses groovy slang. 
He has a far out outlook on life. He digs uh he digs hot cars, Mustangs, wants to uh you know, have the chicks flip out over his cool ride, but he's a... Uh... And Anya's not quoting dialogue. This is her own perspective. She's using <laughs> her own words here. I'm with it. You know, I'm hip. I'm a hep cat. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, so he's, uh, he's, he, he, but, you know, he's, he's a, he's not a, he's not a bad guy. That's interesting. Adam 12, the show that taught us that hippies can be people too. <laughs> so does this change your outlook on hippies? Yeah. Can, 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 I, can, I, can I reveal that you generally are not pro-hippie? I don't like hippies. I don't like that shit. I mean, that, now I'm going to sound like some right-wing lunatic. I don't... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm generally anti-war and left-wing politically, okay? But I, I don't like... I guess I just don't like hedonism. That feels like an excuse for a lot of people to take advantage of other people. Typically, I'm not speaking universally. And I'm also going to say this, you know, a lot of hippies, boomers, baby boomers, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them sold out those values, you know, the second, it you know, they could start accruing wealth and then they pulled up the ladder behind them. So there's something very empty about the hippie mindset and lifestyle, in my opinion. You know, it was it was a fashion trend. It wasn't really... You know, ultimately, it was not really a, you know, conviction. So why does it? Why do the hippies get under your skin so much? Because so you're a lady, and so we don't talk about your age, but I think it's fair to say you were born well after the peak of hippiedom. Well, so why do they get under your skin? Aren't, so much? aren't millennials supposed to be uh, skeptical of boomers? Right. I mean, didn't boomers and maybe Gen Xers like yourself? Uh, spend a lot of time sort of roasting people, kids these days, and millennials on the internet, and then it was kind of like, really, like, yeah, millennials aren't moving out of their parents' basements. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they're all in crushing college debt. <laughs> you know, like, are you? It's supposed to be a little intergenerational warfare. I mean, like, older generations are constantly like kids these days. I never want to be one of those millennials who's like so upset about turning thirty that I turn on Gen Z and say, they suck. You know, it's like, you, you should just let the younger generations live. They're doing things different than you. That doesn't mean it's bad. You know, for, 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 you know, since, <laughs> since uh, Aristotle, people have been complaining about the younger generation. That's just a human condition thing, but we don't have to, you know, keep going with that. But anyway, but I think, you know, because there's been so much boomer hatred of millennials, I think it's fair to throw back some hippie jokes at uh, the old boomers. Whenever, uh, whenever that comes up, because I, I don't know, with hippies, nah, maybe it's because I, I don't know, maybe it's because of my upbringing of being more. You raised by hippies? No, I'm. I'm was I was raised by people who were explicitly not hippies, so maybe that, uh, maybe made me more biased against them, in, in a way, and that that continues to this day because I just you know, but yeah, I don't know. You don't like hippies either. Maybe you have an inner hippie bursting to come out. Oh, shut up. Listen, some boho styles are cool. I like that. You know, I like having long hair, right? But I, I don't make it my whole personality. <laughs> you know, like, get some new material. What, 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 I mean, like, I don't know. Like, doesn't... I just... I feel like people who got really into hippiedom are sort of like people who get really into, like, cults nowadays. <laughs> 
you know, like these, these essential oils will cure your cancer. Like that, that, that was sort of where the inevitable place that we were going to get from like that hippie crap. That's my opinion in general. You can be anti-war without being a hippie. So did this episode of Adam 12 though, completely change your mind about hippies? This kid wasn't really a hippie. This kid was more of like, he was using all the modern day slang. He's working at a factory. Yeah, he was a working class guy. This guy had a job at a grocery store. This guy was not a hippie. He he had some of the aesthetics, but... So he was like the perfect combination of hippie and Joe. He was hippie Joe. He was hippie Joe. He was hippie Jim, because his name was Jim Russell. <laughs> Isn't Jim Russell like some kind of brand? Am I... <laughs> it sounds really familiar. It sounds really... What, who is he? Who is he in another life? It became old Jim. Old Jim. Jim Russell Plumbing, Plumbing of Lebanon, Indiana. <laughs> our, our latest sponsor. There's a Jim Russell car racing school. I, I thought it was like a famous person. I'm, <laughs> I guess we... Uh... Jim Russell actor has a net worth of about a billion dollars. Kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. Yeah. Or Jim Russell obsession. I don't know. Uh, you know, but I, so anyway, but the, the thing that also, you know, this guy isn't, isn't peace and love. He, you know, he's a teenager. He wants to see the bad guys go to jail who've been beating up all his dad's friends near the factory and doing stuff. And now he is actually in a prime position to uh, put those guys away. What happened? I wonder how smart he is. Because it doesn't occur to Jim Russell, hippie Jim. The reason the Joes aren't talking is because they fear if they talk, they will face retribution at the hands of the loan sharks. Yes. It's dangerous to speak out against the loan sharks. So all these Joes, they're taking care of number one. They don't want to fall into the jaws. The Joes don't want to fall into the jaws of the loan sharks. That's right. There you go. But that doesn't even occur to Hippie Jim. Well, he's a kid. So he's so he's a, he's naive. He's an impetuous young man. So he just goes up and starts uh, uh, dishing out his slang and revealing all the details about what happened. And he's he is so naive. He is stunned that the Joes didn't tell the Adams anything about what happened. <laughs> Kevin, I'm gonna say something, and then don't you know? Don't leave me after I say this. Don't don't break off our relationship. Um, but I'm gonna say it anyway. You know. This is a kid in the 70s with kind of dorky glasses and is very observational <laughs> and uh, has these weird Ben Franklin glasses and is using all the cool slang <laughs> and he, he wants to solve a mystery, he wants to solve a crime, so he's going he's gonna to speak out about it. <laughs> Kevin is uh, disconnecting his uh, headphones and walking out. Bye, Jim. <laughs> Bye. It was nice knowing you. Me Jim. I'm just saying, maybe you have a little hippie Jim in you too. I never talked like this. I know, but maybe, maybe you know, you didn't really talk that much at all. So maybe, maybe if you had been able to speak your feelings, this is what would have come out. I may have dressed like this, but this is because my mother picked out my clothes. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you had you had very specific interests. Jim is very interested in cars. Cars that chicks flip out over. But so am I. That's how I got you saw my car. You flip. You did a backflip. 
Am I revealing too much about our, our relationship? The Green Lee Mobile. That's right. Uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know a a Kia from a <laughs> Mustang. I, I don't know nothing about cars. Yeah, yeah. So you were so dazzled. It was something to see. Even though it was a big boat. <laughs> to use the old slang. Jalopy. So, um, yeah. So anyway, Jim comes in. He's got the he's got the long hair. He's got the beatnik slang. Uh, we love him. He's he's very exuberant. And he talks about how he uh chased after the groovy car that had the the goons in it. Uh, that were gonna, you know, that were beating up his dad's friend, and he, uh, you know, he, you know, it was candy apple red, black interior, it was just gorgeous, and uh, you know, I just, I was thinking that whole time, I was like, where's, where, like, what, why, why didn't we do like a hippie gym amateur amateur sleuth <laughs> spinoff? That would be fun. <laughs> Can you imagine how crazy that would have been? A working class hippie detective in L.A does like just dumb shit and then like gets distracted because someone has a cool car <laughs> i'd watch the hell out of that um is his sidekick like a straight arrow type his sidekick is like the local cop who's constantly like you need to go back to school hippie jim the streets are no place for a young man and then being like it's cool mr officer cat and like driving off in his shitty car <laughs> This is this is what this is this is what my brain comes up with. Unfortunately, we all just have to live with it. And now you, dear listener, have to hear it. Then Mister Then Mister Russell shows up. Hippie Jim's father. Hippie Jim's old man shows up. He's a stop sp- it. <laughs> Fuck you! I'll do whatever I want. I'll bounce. You'll bounce. That's an. I'm using Ani talk. Oh God! I think you're all hip now. So Mr. Russell shows up. He's so sweaty. He's just a, he's a working Joe and he's afraid for his son, Jim. And he says his son won't be involved in any you know testifying. Then the cops very, very solemnly. I want to just make very solemnly like this is played completely straight. It's not sarcastic at all. Uh, repeat something that Jim said to his father to make him make him think a little bit. Make him think about what he's doing here. They say. How are we going to put ugly goons like that away unless some cat lays it on us? And that's the end of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> if you were the dad, were you like, wouldn't you be like, were those cops like smoking pot that they confiscated from somebody? Like, Why would they say that? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> These are the people who are supposed to be like... The like you 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 say that and then you expect the working class Joes to think that you're gonna protect them from the fucking loan sharks. So I think after this we go to like uh, a nighttime scene with the officers in a car and they get and this is unrelated to the main storyline as best as I could tell. They get a call that their uh, a liquor store had been robbed. By a by uh, a man in his fifties, wearing a flannel shirt and a cowboy hat. What happens next? Uh, they show up at a local park and see slumped, drunk against a nearby tree, a fifty-year-old man in a flannel shirt and a cowboy hat. 
he's uh he's there they got him and they uh they go to this man and he is a uh, so did they did you tell them this this is right <laughs> out of your unpublished memoir this is right at folks I think I have a real, uh, I have a real plagiarism case here because I mean, the the cowboy, I mean everything except the age and gender. I I just <laughs> that's that's my life. They shouldn't be using it like this. <laughs> I will write a letter <laughs> demanding an explanation here. And because you know what, you know how this is my life. Because this guy isn't like a happy cowboy. He's not like a woohoo, Rudy Tootie, I robbed the store, like Yosemite Sam shit. He's really sad. He's like, this would happen to me. This is the worst day ever. My daddy said I'd have days like this. When they're arresting him and reading his Miranda rights, uh, he said, he, he reveals that he didn't even get any of the $2 that he stole. He also, he stole $2 because he felt bad for the manager who he was robbing, which would, that's me written all over it. I would totally feel, I'd be like, oh, I, I guess I'll just take like, 20 bucks like <laughs> sorry <laughs> and then you know then he says he got robbed by some other guy in the park and it, it is he phrases it quite colorfully he was picked cleaner than the christmas goose <laughs> i felt a kinship with this cowboy and to be completely accurate it's not totally ripped from your memoir uh you don't drink the time Not I, anymore. The time I saw you slumped against a tree wearing a cowboy hat, it was after you'd had a really big dinner at Buca de Peppo. <laughs> that's my new that's my new robbing a liquor store. That's going to Buca de Peppo and just getting destroyed. <laughs> I wanna I wanna play the uh I wanna be a cowboy baby. This is this is like the happy version of what we saw. It's a it's a famous vine of two old men playing on the playground yelling that they want to be a cowboy but i'm going to try to play it here because this is kind of the the happy version of what we saw in this episode so that's that's what we that's what we were treated to and that's and that's a lot of the fun of adam 12 where you never know what the fuck you're gonna get it's just gonna something's gonna happen something weird in in like in a, in the lesser show this would somehow be connected to the the crime and also maybe in a lesser show we'd find out what happened to the cowboy after this maybe we'd find out uh, some background about the cowboy what drove him to this point in life but in this show it's just a random odd moment that we experience completely out of the blue and then it's completely forgotten a second later adam 12 more like absurdist 12 then the show does move on i, I think suddenly then it's like the next morning and uh, our officers, Reed and Malloy, and their sergeant, are being briefed by... Uh, how would you describe this man who's briefing? This man looks very sick. He's like some higher-up officer. He has like stringy red hair. He looks very old. He's kind of sweating. A lot of people are sweating in this show, but he, he doesn't look well. I, you know, But I will say, I just got glasses, so it might just be that everything looks a lot worse right now you know what i mean where maybe in the past like everyone looked like kind of sweaty and like a mess in shows and i just didn't notice so i might be in a weird place here as well so i'm not i don't want to just criticize this fellow he was kind of a big sweaty mess <laughs> he looked really sickly uh he, he there's a big exposition dump uh, he does reveal, though, that he convinced Jim's father to allow Jim 
hippie Jim to testify in front of a hastily called grand jury. So hastily called that the grand jury is going to be hold its hearing with Jim tomorrow. He's going to lay it on all, all those cats. Going to tell it like it is in a big rap session. He's going to speak truth to power. Right on, hippie Jim. Oh, and also, uh, they've identified some of the men that hippie Jim may have Men? Did they, did they say that the guys Hippie Jim saw were, like, boys? Oh, yeah, young teens. You know, youths. They're like, ah, yes, these uh, these young hoods. And they take out a picture, and it's, like, the most middle-aged-looking man to ever middle-aged. I mean, it's, like, young compared to who, man? <laughs> what are we doing here? These these young bloods, these upstarts. It's like, what is this, like, the the geriatric mob? I mean... <laughs> they look young to me. Wow. They look... <laughs> no, they didn't. Don't say that. <laughs> did these... Did the men they arrested look young? No, they looked, like, older than me. <laughs> they looked older than you. I mean, it's, like, 70s old, so maybe that means they were all, like, you know, 31, but they just aged really rapidly because they were doing drugs and drinking. But, you know, it was just... You don't feel like this... Uh, this Upper sergeant guy has has a real grasp of what's going on. <laughs> if I were Malloy and Reed, I'd be a little concerned. And so he's telling all this to Malloy and Reed because he wants Malloy and Reed to keep an eye at the factory parking lot when the shift ends. Because he's worried that people might show up there and try to beat up some guys to keep them quiet. So Reed and Malloy show up there when the shift ends. Might as well call themselves the Joe Protection Unit. Now that's a spinoff. Oh, they just helped the working class Joes. Yeah. I'd watch that I'd program. watch it. Fuck yeah. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I thought this, I honestly thought this whole thing was going to be, I mean, maybe it wasn't, I missed it. I thought this whole episode was going to be some weird anti-union thing. Didn't you? No. Oh, I thought they were going to act like, oh, the you know the, the unions are coming in and they're... Oh, so the unions were like the yeah, loan sharks. Yeah, we're bringing in loan sharks, yeah. Oh, I get it, I get it. No, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, but I, it didn't go that way. And if it did, I didn't notice it. Yeah, did they explain who these loan sharks were? They said they were an organized outfit. So I, I assume that meant organized crime. Yeah, I thought organized crime. Which, I you know, I guess can sometimes be a tie, tied to some unions but obviously that's not the whole picture because it could also just be tied to some businesses right right so are you thinking it was a teamster story i was gonna think well you know oftentimes like a teamster a teamsters-esque story in these kind of media is is, is used to kind of uh lambast union is you know unionism in, in general and and kind of be anti-labor propaganda but this somehow resisted the temptation. I, I, I don't even know if they recognize the temptation. I think Dragnet, or I certainly I think Adam-12, maybe not Dragnet. I think Adam-12 doesn't care yeah. about the big picture. They just care about little incidents. So maybe the big picture is this was the mafia. Maybe the big picture is, is it was the unions. Hoffa. But who cares? 
let's just get an interesting uh, vignette out yeah. of it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. It doesn't try to, it's like literally the opposite of SVU today. Because SVU today, every episode has to be like a big fucking deal. And this is the thing that will tell us all about this one specific issue, you know? And it's like, it has to be everything. And this, it's like, it's nothing. It's just a, it's something happened and we got to deal with it. And I, I, I find that refreshing, you know? I mean, they're both, to be clear, they're both propaganda, right? But this one feels a little bit more, like, true to, like, how life works. You know, so I guess uh, beat cops like Reed and Malloy, it's not really their business or their affair who it is that's paying to have people beat up. Yes. All their concern is, let's stop the guys from beating up people. Save the Joes! Save the Joes! Woo! <laughs> Gotta save those Joes. Uh-oh. But it's not the Joes that are currently in trouble. It's one gym. What's happening, Kevin? They arrive at the parking lot is like one shift ends and presumably another shift is beginning. And they run into Hippie Jim's father. Old Man Russell. Old Man Russell. And he breaks the news that his son is missing, hasn't showed up for his job. At a grocery store. Very calm about it. Jim is not here. My son Jim is gone. It's like, did you do it? <laughs> You're sick of all the beatnik talk? <laughs> they drive that guy home, I guess, to calmly tell his wife and other children that Jim's been uh, rustled away. <laughs> and they, he, you know, they go, for somehow they, tr they, they get a witness statement from some paper boys who saw the abduction and find out that the kidnapping car was actually the red Mustang with a black interior that Jim had admired earlier. And they uh, go off and I guess somehow find it. <laughs> maybe they, I, I forget, do they like track down the, the young bloods who they were told about? <laughs> previously where they live or that something i don't know something happened oh also what's dumb is that this is dumb they're like oh these young bloods they're from new york Ooh, like yeah like la doesn't have any crime it's all imported from new york that's that's definitely how that works <laughs> oh you're such a partisan new yorker yeah i am a partisan new yorker well, la was perfect until those new yorkers showed up Bah, whatever anyway so <laughs> we are in now a very nice seemingly kind of a nice residential area and they're looking around and they find the car. And I was thinking, like, maybe maybe Hippie Jim joined the bad guys because he just wanted to get away from his sweaty, angry dad and <laughs> live a life away from the Joes in this nice uh, residential place. But um, but no, it's not looking so good because actually uh, one of the officers looks in the, uh, the groovy car and sees uh, Jim's distinctive Ben Franklin glasses on the floor. And I'm like, okay, so, like, these are really really smart young whippersnappers in this mob because they have this really distinctive car. I'm no car head, but if I saw like a bright red car with black interior, I would probably remember that. You'd probably flip. I'd probably flip. I'm a chick. I'd flip. I'd be flipping all over the place. They wouldn't even be able to do crimes because everyone would just be so gobs. I'd be flipping. Be like Mary Lou Redden. What does that even mean? Nadio oh, Kamenichi. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Suddenly a balance beam would come out of nowhere and I'd just be flipping on it. <laughs> so they have this really distinctive car, hyper distinctive car. And also they leave their victims, you know, their victim who is distinctive because he's about to testify in a trial, in a grand jury against them. And they leave his distinctive 
Ben Franklin glasses in the fucking, like, was it the front seat? The front seat. They live in the, it's not even the trunk. The trunk I can understand. It's the front seat. Come on, guys. This is, they, they, they let these young kids, these young middle-aged kids in the, in the fucking mob, and this is what you get, just inexperienced dipshittery. Gotta let the, the older crowd, the, like the what, like the 80-year-olds who are in the mob handle <laughs> shit like this. Send them to kidnap the grocery clerk. And then this, at this point, they uh, kick in the door. They storm the place. They burst in. All hell breaks loose. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> they burst in. They swiftly arrest uh, the two kidnappers who were the elderly young men. And then they... Uh, a nurse comes out and says, excuse me, this is a rest home. <laughs> And then they find Hippie Jim, who is bound and gagged uh, on a bed. They swiftly untie him, and what happens then? Um, he's he's pretty unscathed. Uh, he's kind of like, oh, is that like grand jury thing tomorrow? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, if you and they're like, if you're up for it. And he's like, yeah, no, that's cool. And uh, <laughs> he says he's got to do his thing in testifying anyway. He's very nonchalant about his. Abduction. I assume they were probably going to kill him at some point, but they didn't want to scare the other residents of the rest home <laughs> with gunshots. Um, and, and then he just starts going on this rant about the car he was abducted in and about how it's a crime that they, you know, would use the car for, you know, that instead of cruising around with some lucky gals. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and basically he walks out extolling them about the car, which I only assume is some sort of like, PTSD reaction to what happened. <laughs> and the cops look flummoxed and like close the door like, oh, hippie. Oh, Jim. Oh, hippie Jim. He's always, uh, he's always getting kidnapped and brushing it off. So that's it. We don't find out what happens to hippie Jim. Does he get therapy? Does he get treatment? Does he testify? Are the men convicted? Is this factory still being besieged by criminals beating up factory workers? Well, you can assume if they convened a grand jury over this and they have their star witness to testify that the uh, organized crime will be beaten back from the Joe's territory somewhat because, you know, as you say, they convene a grand jury and they can convict a ham sandwich, right? That what I say? So I think the, uh, the, uh, the young blood's goose is cooked <laughs> to paraphrase the old cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> They're more cooked than the Christmas goose. <laughs> ah. ah, you're my old cowboy. Yes. What's your final unvarnished well, take? Well, I want to ask, what's, oh. what's your take on this one? Because this is a bit of a different different uh, take on the Adam-12 formula. It's a little bit more uh, focused on one crime rather than a series of random happenings. So what did you think of it? Uh, I think even the worst Adam-12 is interesting and fun and i certainly enjoyed it on that level i think this show works better when it's more random vignettes because it's like okay this, this particular vignette may not be doing something for me i can just sit back and another another vignette will be coming right along the bend yeah i, I get that and uh this main story uh i thought was really dull and predictable we all knew where it was going Oh, we need to find somebody to uh, testify against these fellas. Gosh, I bet somebody will step up. And then 
I bet you have to overcome some obstacle. But I bet he will overcome it. And I don't care about that. We all know where that's going. What, I, what I'm in for are things like the drunken cowboy. Because I couldn't have predicted that. I didn't see that happening. Not even that cowboy predicted that. No. <laughs> I love the cowboy so much. I think for me, the main story may have not been super interesting, you know, down to its bare bones, but it had enough kind of fun to it, like the the, the working class Joes and hippie Jim and just, you know, every, you know the, all the weird people they met along the way were funny enough to me to amuse me. But I really love that cowboy. See, and I, I think Adam 12 does things like the cowboy best of all. I think it is served very well by only being a half hour long. Oh, yeah. Jeez. This would be unwatchable if it was an hour. Oh, my God. Yeah, SVU is an hour. This would be unwatchable. You'd be like, it would be like some weird art film where you're like, what the fuck? There's no plot. Yeah. It's good that it's a half an hour. More shows should dare to be half an hour, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you don't need to stretch it out. And sometimes it helps to have an editor. And as we say that, of course, most of our episodes have been about an hour. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take your own advice, assholes. All the listeners are thinking, we're sorry, guys. We, We try. We try to keep it under an hour nowadays, but we just just never shut the fuck up. Go on and on. Okay, on that note, I will give my final wrap-up. My five-star final review is uh, Adam-12 is an odd program, but it lulled me into wanting to swim with the loan sharks in this episode. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com we're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s so all of those spell out two as t-o thanks Thanks so so much much for for listening. listening